what I'm going to continue on, this is part two of some things we learn about angels or Satan, and which is an angel from the Bible. Things we learn from the Bible. The Bible tells us a lot about the spirit world. And there's a whole lot it does not tell us about the spirit world because you don't need to know. Because the Bible is a need-to-know book. God put in the Bible what we needed to know to make it on this side. And people get overly curious in this area of spiritism, spirits, angels, and they begin to delve into areas that they do not understand. And they get burnt by it. It's powerful. It's dangerous. I, I have been in uh, churches where they do necromancy, calling up the dead. They, they come into some sort of a form, a plasm form, and uh, they talk to them and supposedly talk to them. They're not talking to the dead, actual dead people. What they are talking to is spirits that imitate the dead. They've learned who they are and how they are. And so it's just dangerous to do that because once you open that door, you don't have the ability to shut it. And I've also talked to people that wish they had never opened it and can't seem to shut it because only God can shut it. And so don't get into that. But, but, but to know about the spirit world is important. The Bible says it wouldn't be in there if we didn't want to know about it. And so tonight I just pick up kind of where I left off some of the things we learned. Uh, Job, we learn from Job that God is, God is challenged by Satan as he accuses us. Job lets us in as, as clear as any book in the Bible. And by the way, Job's probably the oldest book in the Bible. Likely pre-flood. And he lets us into this conversation that you would not know about unless God revealed it to you. And I would, in Job chapter 1, verse 6 through 11, let me just read for the sake of continuity on it. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came along among them. The Lord said unto Satan, Where comest thou? And then Satan answered, Lord, from going to and fro in the earth, walking up and down in it. The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in all the earth, a perfect and upright man, and one that fears God and eschewed evil. You would that God would talk about you that way, amen? How would he talk about me that way? But, it, but, it, but when, he, when he talks about you that way, what's it do? It gets somebody's attention. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for naught, for nothing? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? And thou bless the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land? But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath. And look at this phrase. He uses it twice. He will curse thee to thy face. Basically what he's saying is, the only reason that Job's serving you is because you blessed the socks off of him. You've helped him, given him good health, given him ten kids, given him a lot of wealth. You know, everything's going good for him. You take all that away from him, and he's going to curse you to your face because he's not serving you because he really loves you. So there was a challenge there, an accusation, actually. And we know Satan accuses us before God. The Bible said day and night, not just us, but all saints. And he does not give up easily. 
Job chapter 2, 1 through 6, let me read as this conversation goes on. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them in the presence before the Lord. The Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? Sounds like a familiar conversation. And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, walking up and down in it. The Lord said to Satan, As thou consider my servant Job, there is none like him in the earth, perfect and upright man, the fairest God, and escheweth evil. And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, You can almost hear the hiss. Skin for skin. Yea, all that a man hath he'll give for his life. But put forth thy hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. Is it interesting to you that Job's wife basically verbalized what Satan said he would do? Job's wife came to him and said, Why do you still hold your integrity? Curse God and die. I wonder who was instructing her. The Lord said to Saint, Behold, he's in thine hand. Save his life. I don't know about you. You may consider this to be discouraging, but this is not discouraging. This is encouraging. Satan has to get permission for everything we learn. Satan has to get permission. And the hand of God only is the reason that anything really ill goes on in your life. Somebody dies in your family, it's because God gave permission. Now, you can get mad at him if you want, but you don't understand the big picture, and his ways are above our ways, the heavens above the earth. I personally, I don't think it's a good idea to judge God and become superior to him. Because you know to judge somebody, you've got to get above them, right? So if I say God did not do justly by me, I'm basically saying I'm bigger than God. I know the bigger picture. I know everything. And I'm bigger. And I am judging him. What arrogance is that? I humbly trust God. I believe God is good. And I believe that whatever he does, ultimately, ultimately even though it's unexplainable this side, there's no logic this side would make any kind of sense of it, but yet, in the big picture, it will. We do learn that Satan has the ability, once he gets permission, to execute sickness on us, on anybody, and death, if, if he gets permission. Now, he got permission to touch Job's body, but did God tell him what to do? No. So what did he do? You know the Bible? Job had Boils from head to toe. Now, I've had one. The most boils I've ever had at one time were one boil. How many here have had a boil? Yeah. When I would dive, wearing a wetsuit all day, being in the water, I would, I guess boils are bacteria-based. I would get a boil on my backside. I could not sit down. It was too painful to sit down. I got real used to standing up. So then I realized that you have to you have to you have to really bleach every you have to bleach your wetsuit every day. We washed our wetsuits every day, bleached them every day, and we never got any more boils. But boy, before that we get boils. And I mean those boils pretty soon 
99% of your body is healthy, but that 1%'s got your whole attention. Reminds me of an abscess tooth. How many here ever had an abscess tooth? And you get an abscess tooth, that's all you think about. Your mind goes right to that migraine headache. If you get a migraine, your mind goes right to that. You can't think of anything else. Migraine headache. Gout in the big toe. You say, oh, the big toe. Brother, that is all you can think about is that big toe. I had gout in my heel, gout in my big toe. The worst, gout in my knee, gout in my finger. I had a, that joint right there get gout in And I'm telling you, I was almost incapacitated from that joint right there. Now you say, you're a sissy boy. Well, wait till you get it. My wife would go, what's you making such a big fuss of that for? You know, it made me want to say bad things to her. Like, I hope God gives you that same thing I've got, but he didn't. But, uh, I mean, I just couldn't. You wouldn't believe how much you got to move that joint. You can't dress. You can't belt your bait. You can't do anything without moving that joint. It was just like a knife sticking in, just holding on you every time you move. Just a little stupid joint. I said to my wife, I could cut that finger off right there and be over it. It gets your attention. Imagine boils from head to toe. You can't. You can't. You can't imagine what that'd be like. First of all, he carried some conversation on while he had those boils. I don't know how he did it, but he did. But we learned the spirit world. They got to have permission to touch us. And then we also learned that we must accept what happens to us as from a merciful Savior, ultimately trusting in him. I've quoted First Peter and read First Peter 4.19. It's going to be a Bible verse you are familiar with for sure. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. That's a good thing. We learn that angels in the spirit world do not know everything. They don't know everything. They have limited knowledge. 1 Corinthians 2, 7-8 says, But we speak a wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained from the world, before the world, under our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, I went to Dr. Custer. I've gone to very smart people on this verse and said, what does that mean? Here's what they all come up with. When the Bible talks about princes of this world, it's not talking about human beings. It's talking about spiritual princes like we talked about last week when I talked about Daniel and Gabriel and Michael and the conversation they had in the book of Daniel. He said the prince of Persia wasn't talking about a human. He was talking about a, a power that ruled over that area, spiritual power. They call them princes. What is the devil? He's the prince and power of the air. And so uh, we see here where, where it says none of the princes of this world knew. In other words, God had a hidden wisdom. The crucifixion of Christ the whole deal about God coming in the flesh and then allowing himself to be, you know, battered, beaten, spit upon, beard plucked from his face, beaten without bringing to a pulp, uh, scourged by the Romans, put on a crucifix, crucified on a cross, naked, shamed in front of everybody, put on a public street, which was the Roman way. Uh, 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 the crucifixion was one of the most horrific deaths you could go through. Uh, they would they would make it where you could lift yourself up, but then you would lose strength and go down, start suffocating, lift yourself up, and that whole process of up and down would go on for hours and hours and hours. 
They wanted you to suffer and suffer long. That Christ, God's Son, would be submitted to that. The devil at the crucifixion from this passage was going, we got him. We got him. We got him. He's been given over to us. We got him. Because the Bible says there, we learn, we learn a tremendous truth about the spirit world there. He said, God worked in a mystery, in a hidden wisdom that he had ordained before the world began because Christ, it was determined that Christ would be crucified before the world began. Twice in the New Testament it mentions that. And so the princes of this world, none of the princes of this world knew what this wisdom was. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. When they crucified Christ, they literally condemned themselves. He destroyed their power base. And his blood was accepted on the holy of holies in heaven. And, and it was enough for all the sins of the man had ever committed if they would simply repent and believe in Christ. So now people were saved by just simply trusting in Christ. Look and live, my brother, live. Look to Jesus now and live. The evil angels thought they were winning in the crucifixion, but they were losing because they did not understand what was going on by the sacrifice death. And, of course, the resurrection was the topper of it all. The resurrection was when he conquered everything. He was sealed by God. 1 John 3, 8 says, He committed sins of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. What was that purpose? That he might destroy the works of the devil. That's what went on. We learn that from the Bible. Hebrews 2.14 says, For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So we learn that from the Bible. We don't have to conjecture that. That's, we know the power of death was held with, a, with and the right of the devil himself. And when Christ died on that old cross and shed his blood and satisfied the justice of God for the sin of mankind... And made it said, whosoever will now may come, for by grace you are saved through faith, then of yourselves the gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. Oh, I, when you try to work your way to heaven, you, you, you absolutely insult the very gift and grace of God. That'd be just like at Christmas, somebody that loved you give you a, a really nice gift and you whip your wallet out and say, well, how much do I owe you? That insults them. Right? You don't go to God and say, well, now, for the salvation, I'll do a couple, do two, three things for you or whatever. No. It's got to be received by grace through faith or it cannot be received. We learn that from the Bible. We learn that the crucifixion destroyed the power base of the devil. It wiped him out, destroyed, his, destroyed his, the rights that he had. But we learn also from the Bible that we can represent that Satan can represent righteousness and light. See, people get the idea that evil always appears grotesque or hideous or sinister, but it doesn't. In fact, the opposite is true according to the Word of God. A lot of times, Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse thirteen through fifteen, says it this way: 
For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. These people, that these, these, these out-of-body stories, people die for a while, they flatline for a while, and they say they floated above their body, and, and there was white light, and it was beautiful, and the light, and all oh, that. I had some, some movie star, which was really a wicked a girl in her lifestyle. She died, and she gave a testimony that you don't have to fear death. I used to fear death. She said, I don't fear death anymore. She goes, when I had this lot of body experience, I saw white light, and it was beautiful, and everything was beautiful. That doesn't give you any kind of assurance at all. You don't know who you were seeing. Because it says Satan can come as an angel of light. Therefore, there's no great thing, it says in this verse, if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So Satan doesn't come as looking like a wolf, smelling like a wolf. He comes looking like a lamb, smelling like a lamb. He comes looking like he's white and clean and nice and dressed up. By the way, we also learn from the Bible about the spirit world that Satan and his crew can do great miracles and signs and wonders. Revelation chapter 13, verse 13 through 50. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven and the earth in sight of men. One of the things that's going to happen in the tribulation period, I, I believe with all my heart, trust me on this, I'm not brainwashed, I don't have an axe to grind, a theological axe to grind, I'm just a student of the Bible. And with all my heart, I tell you tonight, there, there has to be a rapture of the church. The principles of the Bible do not contradict each other. And God will not judge the righteous with the wicked. He won't do it. He won't do it. He would have spared all of Sodom for 10 people. Let me just say, between now and the election of 220, you as a born-again believer need to be praying, God, save us. For the sake of the ten. I'm not, I'm not even telling you to pray that Trump wins. I'm telling you to pray that God save us for the sake of the ten. That's the soft spot. That's the soft spot. Well, don't say save us because we're good or save us because of our righteousness or save us because we're noble because that is not going to run it. That's not going to run it. No, no. He even told his own children, I didn't save you because I didn't save you because of your righteousness, I saved you because of mine. But this, this beast is going to come up, and the dragon, the unholy trinity, 11, 13 chapter. You have the dragon, which is Satan, identified clearly in the Bible. He, this man, which the Bible calls the beast, is a man empowered by Satan. He has a man come up beside him, it's called the false prophet. This false prophet calls fire to come down from heaven. Now, in the Bible, fire down from heaven is lightning in our definition. And he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, and they that should make an image to the beast, and which had a wound by the sword, and did live. Now, that's really curious to me, but I don't have time to go on to try to explain it. But he, somehow he was wounded to death and had what they consider to be a resurrection experience. So he, he, he mimics what Jesus did to the T. And he had power to give life under the image of the beast. 
They make this image. Now, you know robotics, where it's going. I mean, I think some of this may be ahead of its... But, I mean, yeah, some sort of makes this image. This image, he gives life to it. Now, the word life, this word for life in the Greek is animation. He animates this, be, this, this image. And this image goes around compelling people to worship him. Because it's all about worship. It's all about worship. You say, what do you mean? Well, what was the temptation of Jesus in, the, in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 4? What was that all about? He says, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you everything. I, and what did he do? He showed him the kingdoms of this world and all their glory. He said, these are mine to give. That shows you we learn. What do we learn from that? We learned that he has great, that he had possessions of the earth before the crucifixion of Christ. He had the right to the entire earth and all the glory of it was his. Because you can't give some, it's not yours. He tells, he tells Jesus, I'll give it to you. All you got to do is bow down and worship me. Because worship has to do with authority. Who is the authority? Revelation 16, 13-14 says, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. If you don't like frogs, that may be why. And out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. And, and what are they? He says, it says, they are the spirits of devils, demons, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great God of Almighty. That's the battle of Armageddon. So we learn that the dragon gives power to the beast, the Antichrist, and is responsible for his success, and that he's able to do a lot of miracles. That's why I am not impressed in the least with signs and wonders. You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. Somebody can create a bunny right in front of me. Boom. I'm saying, wow, that's wild, but that doesn't mean what you say is true. Because that's what it's about. They do this miracle so that you believe what they say. The miracles can come from God or they can come from same. It says in Revelation 13 4, they, they worship the dragon which gave power to the beast. That's what it's about, worship. And they, and they worship the beast. It's about worship. Saying, who's like unto the beast? Who's able to make war with them? Well, who could you make? How could you make war with a guy who can call lightning down from heaven? I mean, how can you make war with a guy like that? We learn that from the Bible. We learn that Satan had possession and the right of deed of the entire earth and his glory, as I just mentioned in Matthew chapter 4. We learn that Satan and his angels have some ability to move about quickly, as in the temptation of Jesus, as he quickly moved him to the pinnacle of the temple. Then he, you know, moved him around, was able to move around. They have some ability to move. We learn that certain knowledge shown to Daniel and John could not be revealed or it would change the outcome of history. If you want to take your Bible, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, you don't have to, but Daniel chapter 12, verse 4 and verse 9. Daniel is given a lot of truth, a lot of revelation. Now, revelation is not illumination. So let me try to define two words. A lot of people confuse the word. They'll say, I had a revelation. You didn't. You didn't have a revelation. A revelation is new knowledge from God that nobody else has. You had an illumination. In other words, you were enlightened about something that's already there. 
in the Bible. You read the Bible, it's already there. God illumines you. He enlightens you. You get that. We are illumined regularly, but you do not get a revelation. Revelation, the revelation, uh, inspiration, scripture and all that has been finished and sealed for almost 1,900 years. Without old Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Boy, I'd love to stop about that. There's, in the tribulation period, what Daniel wrote is going to somehow be revealed. Will it be discovered archaeologically? I don't know. Will it be another way? But somehow it says seal it to the time of the end. He says in verse 9, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till or until the time of the end. Revelation chapter 10, going all the way up to the end of the last book of the Bible, verse 3 and 4, talking about the tribulation period, and, and uh, there was this angel that was there for making pronouncements that John was looking at, and he says he cried with a loud voice as a lion roareth, and when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. You, By the way, you're a Floridian. You live in Florida. You've heard thunder, man. We know thunder. Well, this particular thunder was not only that. Well, that I mean, that's what it sounded like, but it, all, it was talking, said stuff. They had seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders uttered their voices, John, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up those things. While the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. There was something in those seven thunders that, if we would know, would change the outcome. But I want to know why he did that, because I'm really curious. But he put it in the Bible, both with Daniel. And in the book of Revelation, he let us know they got it. Stop. Don't let them know about that. Because if they know about that, that's going to change it. And it can be known in the end, at the time of the end, but not, not until then. What in the world? You probably don't want to know, right? There's something there. But we learn that from the Bible. But we also learn not to seal up the part that we have been given. In Revelation 22.10 it says, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. That's where we're at tonight. We got this book. 99.9% of this book is to be told to everybody, to be shouted from the housetops, to be shared, to be given in a track form, to be Going door to door with. Man, what, an, what, a, what a privilege it is to be able to share the word of God with folks, the truth with folks, in the midst of so much error, so much fake news, so much garbage out there, so much untruth. Time-tested truth of the, of the word of God we can share. He says, go do it. I'll be with you. You know, God don't send. God does not send you someplace he doesn't go with you. He says, I'm with you even under the end of the age. Where God guides, he provides. 
He tells me, go only where I'm preaching gospel to every creature. He's with me. He's with me right here. When I go door to door, I knock on that door. I'm not alone. I mean, I got somebody with me maybe. But I'm not still alone. We're not alone. We knock on that door. The Holy Spirit's there with us. He's already talking to the, who knows how they've prepared that person that comes to that door. And if you don't go door to door, it's exciting. You just never know what the next door is going to be like. You just never know who's going to show up. Amen? I've had them come to the door and say, I was going to commit suicide. And I told God, if you don't send somebody by my door, I'm going to kill myself. And then I heard a knock. I heard your knock on the door. Now, if you don't feel like that was a divine appointment, it don't get better than that. Let them to Christ. Wow. But if you don't go, you never get to say that because you never have that experience. You got to go. You got to visit. You got to be out there. You got to risk yourself. We learn all kinds of stuff that we need to know, and it's good to know, about the spirit world. We learn about the invisible world. Uh, it's swirling around us right at this moment. You know, the old preacher, he always says every empty, every empty chair is occupied by a demon. You know, they always say that. I don't think that's true. But I'll tell you what, there is a spiritual warfare going on. And you're in it. And you know what? You're important. You're important in this war. You count. You're not a nothing. You're not a nobody. You're not insignificant. And I'm not trying, I'm not, I'm not flattering you. But every human being in the kingdom of God is important. And every Christian in the kingdom of God is important in the whole big picture. There are people I'm convinced that you only have have that special something to witness to and to touch base with. Amen? And if you don't speak up and if you're quiet and you hush, they may not hear it from anybody else. And you say, well, there'll be somebody else do it. Well, maybe there will be somebody else, but nobody like you for sure. Amen? I know it's so. Well, God help us as we learn these things from the Bible. What I'm trying to do is tweak you to what God has given us. Man, he's given us a whole realm of knowledge about what goes on in this world, both visibly and invisibly. Are you ready to meet God? I've, I've done a lot of things on T-shirts. I've done all kinds of statements on T-shirts, sayings on T-shirts. The one that's got the most reaction is the statement where I says, are you ready to meet God? I had a woman come up to me in McDonald's and said, are you going to kill us? I said, uh, well, McDonald's is doing that. No, I didn't. Uh, them biggie, them biggie fries you got and that biggie drink you got to have. I like the question, do you want a large? Of course everybody wants large. Don't ask me that. I'm weak. It's like asking a drug addict, you want some drugs? Of course he does. Would you like a large fry or a little small inky dinky fry? terrible. But anyway, um, you know, God's, God's, God's going to help us. He's going to help us. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I love to be a Christian. What a privilege it's been. What a privilege it has been and is to be a witness for Christ. Go out there and be a witness. Just go out there and brag about Jesus. Tell them how you got saved. Tell them how God's transformed your life. Tell them how you have a you, you pillow your head at night without fear 
of death, but an assurance that God will be with you all the way home. Tell them, tell them the smaller things to you, but they're big things to a lot of people. And maybe they want to know more about it. Why not? Father, save some folks through us. May our witness, may our hand, and may your hand be upon us. Father, help us uh, to understand about the spirit world. Thank you for letting us know about all that. We pray, Father, that, uh, that we would wrestle, as you said, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And, Father, that we would be willing to put on the whole armor of God in the process every day. Lord Jesus, that you'd help us to be victorious more than conquerors for him that loved us. Now, there could be some in this room tonight that have been fearful and having trouble with fear. May God, you deliver them from the wicked demon of fear. In the name above every name, you'd cast that, that fear out. For fear has to do with torment, and boy, you don't have anything to do with that. You love us. You gave yourself for us. Father, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.